Hello, and welcome to Flotsam, a role-playing series about rats surviving in a mysterious sinking city. We're taking a break from our main story, and thought you might like a little tour of one of the more interesting locations in Lanternside, near the water's edge. Episode 24, Flea Pit Close. I'm so glad the guild thought it was a good idea. It's wonderful to have a new face, someone else to talk to. Not that I don't get on with the neighbours, you understand. It's just that, well, they're always so busy, aren't they? Uh, there's always lots going on. And Mistress Salt said you have a particular skill with engines and mechanisms. So you couldn't have come to a better place. I'll have to show you my own little project. I'm sure the guild told you, my reciprocator. No? Oh, well, you see, I'm sure that's why they sent you. It's so difficult to get just the right edge on the small blades that interlock with the... Uh, oh, oh, yes, of course. I'm so sorry, I do get carried away. You'll want to see around the place, and your rooms, of course. Right, uh, this is the main courtyard. Well, it's a fancy term, I suppose, a bit narrow for a courtyard. Old Miss Winston calls it her court, you know, but then she's always been a bit um, uh, high-minded, you could call it. We just call it the close. Flea Pit Close. Not much of a name, is it? It's had better years, I won't pretend otherwise, but the rooms are cosy enough inside. It wasn't always called this. It was named after the little quayside, just down those steps over there, you see? The water's just behind that gate. The Key Pit, this was, carved out of the rock here and set up as the uh, Guild's headquarters. Lots of fine mechanisms and such came out of the Key Pit workshops in those days. But I don't know. Things change. Maybe it was fashion, or the Guild just needed more space. In any case, they sold off most of the buildings, it went downhill and people started calling it the Flea Pit, and, well, here we are. It's fine, though. You'll enjoy living here, I promise. I don't want you to get the wrong impression. Uh, so, yes, the courtyard. Um, flagstones are a bit worn, you could do with a wash. Green's because of the uh, damp, because the water's so near, you see. So just watch your step, uh, it can get a bit slippery. Um, that there at the back, that's the well. Or, or it used to be. It hasn't worked for, for as long as I've been here, certainly. Strange sort of a thing, isn't it? The face there, carved at the back, it's not really a rat face at all. I've never worked out if those scales there are some sort of armour or clothes or some sort of part of the thing's body. A lot of it's worn away. I'd love to see what it was really like. And yeah, just below, you can make out the crossed keys of the guild. See? So I guess it must date back to the workshops. The decoration on the flagstones. Yeah, it's a nice bit of work. If you look, just rub away that bit of moss there by your tail. It goes all the way around the well. Big circle, see? It's a bit blurry now, what with age and moss, but there's all sorts of little lines in it, crisscrossing and overlapping and twining around each other. See it now? Like a flower. It's quite something. I don't think the design ever repeats, and I've sat here and looked at it for ages. It's sort of uh, restful, you know? I can look at it just for a minute and suddenly find hours have flown by. Oh, while we're talking about hours, look up there to the right, just under the double window. Uh, look, let me hold up the lantern. See? I know. It's Mistress Capalia's clock. You must have heard of that. It's our pride and joy here in the close. No? Really? Well, so, suppose you're a foundling. It's, it's, it's just sort of famous around here. Uh, let's see. Um, the story is that a few years back, uh, long before my time, one of the cleverest rats of the guild had her workshop up there, in those rooms above the clock. Mr. Hoffman is in there now. Well, well, he was before they took the poor fellow away, but that's another tale. Um, 
Where was I? Oh, yes. Uh, Mistress Capalia lived and worked up there. She was one of the youngest lockmasters ever, and not through politicking or money or any of that other nonsense, but because she was just that good. The mechanisms on the coiner's vault, that's one of hers. The fountain of the ocean's heart up in the central court before the crown. Have you seen that? No, no, of course you haven't. I keep forgetting. It is stunning. Absolutely stunning. The waves swell and break like they're alive. The ship's sails move in the breeze. Maybe the guild can get you a pass. Anyway, yes, so she became a name, did Mistress Capalia. Spent a lot of time back and forth between here and Lantern'side and up at the court. By all accounts, it became a mark of fashion to have something made by her. And then later from her workshop, she took on apprentices, you know how it is. Then one day she let them all go and closed her order book. Some reckoned she'd just had enough of hard work and had made her fortune. Some that she was losing a skill, you know, had the shakes in her paws or her eyes were going weak or, or some such. Some say it was a matter of love and someone had broken her heart. Uh, who's to know? In any case, she started working on her clock. Beautiful, isn't it? Didn't have help from anybody in the making of it. Cast all the gears and the decorations herself. It even did the jewellery work. Sometimes you'd get a ladder, climb up, have a closer look. Even after all this time, it's exquisite. You can make out the faintest of lines. Uh, look, there are rows of little windows, and you can see the dome and even the little statue on top of it. And there's the tower of the court. And if you look at the hands on the biggest clock face, you can... Oh, <laughs> we're in luck. Just, no, I, I won't spoil it. Uh, so, anyway, she built this thing up there in the workshop, and then she set up this big scaffold here and covered it up with cloths and was working at it with weights and pulleys and bringing in stone and all sorts for a good few weeks. And then she said it was nearly done, and that she'd unveil it at midday. Was it 1st of March? Something like that. Mistress Capalia was up all night, her and just one apprentice. Although, no one has ever owned up to being the one who helped her put it up. Which is a bit odd, now I come to tell it, given that she'd let them all go. So, of course, folks from all over came to see. She'd sent out invitations to the guildmasters, to her clients in the court, even some of the crown. Down they all trooped just before noon, and the little close here was packed tight as a barrel of foundlings. Um, oh, excuse me. Um, it, it was packed in, and there was no sign of Mistress Capalia, and everyone's trying not to look at each other, wondering if she can possibly be late, or if it's a joke, or... Well, at a whisk of noon, there's still no sign of the mistress, but there's a click, a whir, and down comes the cloth, and... <laughs> wait, wait. There. You see? That figure on the left. See? It's coming out from the lantern-side gate. The one all in silver? Some folks say it's meant to be Mistress Capalia herself. That was her colour, silver. The detail, though, isn't it incredible? The one on the right, the golden rat, no one knows who that's supposed to be, properly, but although you do hear whispers. Hang on. Wait for the bells. Ha! You didn't expect that, did you? It's like they're alive, those things up there. I don't know how she got them to turn together like that. It's an old court dance, by the by. A series of irregular cams underneath, I, I shouldn't wonder. But of course they won't let me take it apart to take a look. The way the hands mesh together like that, the mechanism to do that, I still haven't puzzled it out. And at the twelfth stroke... You're lucky. It's only at the ringing of twelve that they kiss, by the way. Somehow, at other times, they simply bow to each other. Anyway. What was I saying? Uh, whispers, that's it. There's some that think that the golden rat is supposed to be Anna Maria, the wife of old Lord Maniel, uh, who used to run the changers. The reason they think it 
is that his lordship had an invite to the ringing of the clock, and when the cloth fell and he saw the figures, he gave out a great scream of rage and stormed off up the street. And, well, Mistress Capalia was never seen again after that day, and they say neither was Mrs Anna Maria. Although that could just be hearsay, you know. We don't really know what happens up at the court. They'll go around once more, and then back into their doors, the silver to lantern side, the gold of the court, with only eyes for each other as they retreat. Exquisite work, isn't it? Oh, those little doors down there. Uh, it's a shop, uh, been closed for about a year or so. Used to be run by a very interesting rat, Mr Cullen. He moved here a few years back, and we didn't really see him, because he spent a lot of time in the workshop. When he finally opened up, we saw what he'd been working on. Well, the most beautiful pieces of jewellery. All in gold, no stones or anything, but they didn't need them. The works were just too incredible as they were. Delicate carvings, leaf patterns, flower circles. A bit like the one round the well, you know. He started off with small pieces and sold them to the folks round here. There's not many in Lanternside that could afford a full gold necklace, mind you, but maybe some earrings or a little brooch or something. Anyway, people bought them, showed them off, and I suppose they caught the eye of those up in the court. One of the noble houses discovered him, commissioned bigger pieces, gold talks, fine chains of office for the guildmasters, that sort of thing. All of a sudden, there was a huge demand for his work, and the more intricate and filigreed, the better. Caused a ruckus with the court jewellers, as you can imagine. These knobs who'd been coming to them for generations were suddenly coming down here to the flea pit. Upset them no end. I guess that's partly why fingers got pointed. There had been a, a robbery at one of the big jewellery workshops. A bunch of gold bars had gone missing, vanished without a trace. Can't see that Mr Cullen would have taken them. I reckon the jewellers just pointed the finger to cause mischief. Tie up a rival with dealing with paperwork, perhaps, that sort of thing. Anyway, they started looking into it at the magistrates, and as they talked to more and more of the goldsmiths, they discovered that no one had ever sold any gold to Mr Cullen. So where did he get his materials? Of course, it wasn't proper proof, but it rang alarm bells. So they sent a bunch of guards around to seize him and the evidence, if there was any. I don't know, perhaps a goldsmith can tell the difference between gold from one place or another. Anyway, it's very dramatic. Great mob of coiner guards turn up here in the close and start pounding on the door. Brought the old district out to see what was going on. There were rats lining all those stairs and the balconies up there. Everyone likes a good scandal, don't they? Mr Cullen finally opened the door of his shop and greeted the captain of the guards, sweet as you like, with a smile on his face. He even denied he'd got any gold there at all and invited the guards to look around. I don't know how he got them made in time, but it turned out that every single piece in his shop was made of pewter. Not an ounce of gold anywhere. The guards turned the place upside down looking, but they didn't find so much as a shaving. So they couldn't charge him with stealing the gold because there wasn't any left. It didn't go well for him afterwards. All the rich folks thought he must have pulled the wool over their eyes somehow and sold them pewter done up to look like gold. Although they could never manage to scratch through the coating or anything, the pieces he made stopped being fashionable and turned into sort of a joke. Not the sort of thing a lady would wear out in public, even if they were still exquisite. You still see the smaller pieces around here, though. There are plenty of people who like them, even if they aren't worth much. As for Mr Cullen, he's still there. Oh, he pops up sometimes to get a loaf of bread, but then he just disappears back into his cellar again. You might meet him in the close, but don't expect much in the way of conversation out of him. Keeps himself to himself. Some kids sneaked into his cellar once, when he was out. They thought they might get rich when they found the gold he'd obviously stashed somewhere. Who doesn't like a crack at some hidden treasure? 
I didn't find any. Just glass jars and tubes and crucibles. Not half an ounce of gold. We're still wondering where he hid it. Just squeeze past the buckets here. I'm sorry, we should really move them. Oh, the posters. Yes, they belong to old Miss Winston. From the Jubilee, they are. No, no, she's not an actor. She does styling and colouring for fur. Makes actors look the part, you know? See, there's the hero of the hangar. And there's Jack of Tales from a good few years back now. That's uh, Archie Wells' Jack. She works with some of the fine folk up at the court, too. You know, taking the grey out of their fur or braiding it, that sort of thing. And her mother, too. The even older Miss Winston, she did the same. The Winstons have been doing it for generations, so far as I know. The name? Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> well, it's like this. Older Miss Winston, she who died about 20 years back, she took in old Miss Winston as a foundling. Adopted her, taught her the trade, and, and then all the jubilee work came in and such. Uh, and old Miss Winston, who's there now, she took in a foundling not a few weeks back. Lovely little thing, dark fur, green eyes. So I suppose she's to be the new Miss Winston. And you're not the only new face around. I know, I, I know it's confusing. I suppose it's as much a trade name of quality these days, if you take my meaning. Uh, Miss Winston. So anyway, so if you ever need to spruce yourself up to impress someone, you know, you, you go and see Miss Winston, whichever one happens to be around. Now, about food. Well, it's a bit of a walk to the taverns if you want anything special to eat, but you certainly won't starve here. You don't need to worry about that. Uh, mind you, you will need to be up early. You see those shutters over there? No, no, the, the whitewashed ones there. That's where you'll find the queue. They come from all over London side to get Mistress Gould's bread. It's nothing special to look at, just a nice cob loaf, but it tastes divine. Just plain bread, but all you need is some butter with cheese or jam. It's, a, it's positively a feast. You won't get anything else there, except a plain loaf, though. There's none of these fancy tarts or cakes or anything, just honest, simple bread. It's all she makes, day in, day out. Up at the crack of dawn, needing away. She's already making the bread for tomorrow. Have a look through that knothole. You'll see the loaves there, rising, ready for the morning. There's always a batch ready for the next day. They say she hasn't taken a day off in 17 years. Not since her brother's wedding. She tried closing for a day then, and it was chaos. She only went over to the smoke, and by the time she came back, there was dough all over the courtyard, pushed up through that grating there, the one below the window, and just kept getting bigger and bigger. She asked everyone in the close for help, and there was so much of it, they all had to hack bits off and take it home to cook in their own ovens, just to clean the stones. There must have been some mistake with the yeast or something to let it get that big. Nearly filled the whole close, apparently. Mind you, she normally gives bread to those as needs it anyway. They say she vowed never to allow anyone to go hungry, and it seems she's kept that promise. And so she has to get up in the small hours to put the loaves in the oven. Every single night. No apprentices, no family to help her out. Between you and me, I think she's a bit lonely. I'll introduce you to her once you've moved in, you're a bit more settled. Now, this is my place, so let's just uh, stop in a moment. I'll find you something to drink. I'll do my best to answer any questions. Yeah, come on, this way. Uh, up the stairs. You go ahead. Th that's it. Yeah, that's my door there. The one with the shield carved on it. Quite a piece for a place like the Flea Pit, isn't it? It was made for one of the fine houses up the hill in the court. It was supposed to celebrate the wedding of Lord Peter Delacour and Lady Amethyst... Oh, something or other. Oh, I forget the names. That's her family crest there, the one with the heart and the crown. There was some sort of scandal. He was caught doing something unspeakable down here in London side. Uh, those two didn't get wed, but he was rich enough to find someone else to marry instead. 
It's all right for that lot. Always seem to get their tails untwisted from whatever knot they end up in, don't they? Just by throwing money at a problem. So, Lord Peter was getting married again, uh, and didn't fancy bringing his new bride home to her house with somebody else's crest on the door. So, Master Selway made him a new one, and brought the first back here to hang for his own front door. He lived here, you see, the carpenter, uh, Mr Selway. I say carpenter, I suppose really he was more than that. He was a real craftsman, I'd say. Um, I, I guess you'd call him a, a cabinet maker? Uh, you can see from the kitchen. Uh, come in, come in. Now, uh, do you want a cup of tea? That cupboard in the corner, just pass me the keddy. Uh, I'll put the kettle on. Lovely wood, isn't it? Just look at how those corners join up. You won't be able to see a single seam, I'll, I'll bet you anything. Oh, and that polish on that. Feel free to have a wonder. There are all sorts of things he made in these rooms. I've a lovely four-poster bed through there. Reckon it was made up for another customer who didn't take it. Actually, I'm not even sure where it got in here. I don't think it'll fit through any of the doors. Anyway, I get a fine kip in it each night, and I wake up feeling as if I'm one of those pampered popinjays up at the court. So, uh, seeing as we're guildmates and all, you can just go ahead and open the door there at the back. My little secret. I know. You'd think it would open up back into the close, wouldn't you? That little door by the Miss Winstons? Or maybe go through to the neighbouring stairwell. But he doesn't. A whole extra room and a big one. His workshop. I can't quite figure out how it all fits together, but it's the great thing about living here. There's far more space than any of the rest of the flats. It must have been something to watch him at work there. All his tools are still in there, by the way. If you look on the right, oh, I didn't have the heart to move them. Oh, I'd pick them up occasionally and try a bit of whittling, but I guess I just don't get on with wood. It splits or the plain sticks or cuts something up. And as for trying anything with a chisel, nearly took the port off last time I used one. I gave up after that. Um, I don't know, maybe they're bloodthirsty and old Mr Selway was giving them some sort of sacrifice every so often and that's why his work was so... No, no, don't be silly. Of course I don't mean that. Uh, just my little joke. Anyway, I'd love to have watched him work, ask him about the posh knobs he worked for, that sort of thing. But I can't know he's gone. Passed away? No, or at least there was never a funeral. Uh, I spoke to the rats who lived in the close about that time, and no one knows exactly what happened. He came home one night, had a drink in the courtyard with a couple of them, and then went upstairs to bed. No one ever saw him after that. After he didn't appear for a few days, they went looking for him. Uh, they were worried he had a fall, or, or was ill or something, I suppose. He wasn't a young rat, although he was pretty spry, so they say. Anyway, they came in here, and his dinner plate was still on the table, and his cup was beside it with a dirty pan in the sink. There was a bookcase he was part through making as well, in the workshop, with just the top bit to be put on. All cut and sanded, ready. It's in the library of the Guild now, a beautiful piece, with vines and woodland creatures all over it, so I hear. I'm sure we can get you a look at it. But anyway, he'd gone, just up and disappeared. No sign of him anywhere. No family to speak of. He'd come to Flotsam as a foundling, I think, so everything went back to the Guild in the end. That's why I got placed here. It's the Guild's now. I'd appreciate it if you'd keep an eye out, though. He's got some mighty big cupboards back there under the eaves, so if I go off and have a rummage and you haven't seen me for a day or two, just, just pop in and check, will you? <laughs> no, no, just another joke. Let's go and take a look at your room, shall we? Up the stairs to the left there, that's how you get out to the balcony that looks out over Lantern side. Uh, it used to be another of Mr Selway's rooms, but, well, we all sort of use it now. It's a good place to go and read a book, maybe watch the boats go by. The door to the left leads off to Mr Hoffman's rooms, you remember? It used to be Mistress Capelli's workshop. 
Oh, yes. Well, remember, I, I did say they'd taken Mr. Hoffman away. Only a few weeks ago, too. Poor old bugger. You know who he is, don't you? Yes, yes. Uh, Found thing. Sorry. I'll forget my head next. Um, He's the one behind Hoffman's Penny Tales. You'd have seen them sold all across Lanternside, and you'll find old copies in taverns or scarf stores. Um, stories of places that never were, he used to call them. He's been writing them for years. Machines that fly through the air, machines that crawl along the ground, pulling lines of people across huge distances, giants walking the earth, steel ships that can cross the water, all manner of mayhem and peculiarity. Not my thing at all, honestly. I I prefer my stories a bit more down to earth. Still, I quite liked his thing about the bear and the boar uh, that he made up based on those old statues up in the court. Bears being a bit bigger than a rat, do you see, and strong as ten rats, but needs to sleep through winter to save up all their strength. And the boar, that's smaller than a rat, and pink, uh, and devilish cunning. And the bear eats treacle, and the boar eats corns. And the two of them go out into a mysterious world to hunt down evildoers in the land of one hundred takers. I made the mistake of asking him where he got his ideas once, and he quite flew off the handle at me, started calling me all sorts of names. Funny sort of bloke. He'd been working on something about a war between two sets of burrowing creatures, and kept going on about mud and death and the sound of cannon that could bring down the sky. Not the sort of thing for your popular reading public, I'd have thought. Mistress Gould asked him to leave her shop. He was upsetting the customers. Out he went onto the street and started screaming at people about why couldn't they remember the truth about stuttering guns and blowing bugles or some such. We had to call the guild, and they dragged him off with them to look after him. They did say we shouldn't talk about it, but you're a fellow guild member, so so it's fine. Just don't tell anyone outside the guild, all right? Ah, here we are. Just duck down a bit here. I know it's low, but the place is comfy. See? Nice little run of windows here. You can see right out the front, down onto the water. Stove is here in the corner. Uh, this cupboard's where the plates are. And uh, who lived here? Oh, that that was Miss Nickleby. An artist, she was. Did drafting for the guild. And in her spare time, she drew the most wonderful flower pictures. Uh, there's a few pinned up through here. Look, uh, the bedroom. Uh, mind the beam. That's it. Cosy, isn't it? I love the little round window as well. Lovely view down into the courtyard. She used to sit here for hours. We could see her up in the window, just thinking and drawing these lovely flower patterns. Here, see? Beautiful. I suppose they are a bit like the design around the well, now you mention it. I suppose that's where she got the idea. I don't know where she is, no. Went off up to the smoke on some guild business, I shouldn't wonder. She was working with the engineers. They're sent down saying not to expect her back, so I suppose they've given her apartments up there to be closer to the task at hand. Anyway, it's to be yours now. Well... Well, if you need help finding anything, just give me a knock. I really hope you'll take a look at the reciprocator when you get a chance. Just to have someone speaking the same language, you know, knows the ins and outs. Oh, it'd be a great help. Oh, uh, I'll forget my head next. Uh, what is it we should uh, we should call you? Well, that's easy, isn't it? Nice to meet you, Reg. End of episode. This episode was written by Ian Thomas and Rachel Thomas and read by Ian. Join us again for more tales set in Flotsam.